0: Once again to a novel evening. I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as a novel evening podcast and same over on TikTok. And for this episode, I'm joined by Annika Scott, whose novel Sinners of Starlight City was released in July. Um, I love me a slice of historical fiction, and this is set in 1933, Chicago World Fair. This has everything. It's got intrigue, it's got retribution, revenge, it's got a little bit of razzle-dazzle in there, a little hint of burlesque, um, which we know I love. Um, And this is really a book if you want to dive into some historical fiction with a bit of a twist. And I'm so excited to be joined by Annika today to chat to her all about the novel, where this inspiration, this idea came from, and find out all about her novel Evening. a massive hello to Annika hello hi how are you I am very well how where are you recording from where am I speaking to you from I am coming from
1: far away Germany so uh we are an hour later than you it is getting dark I I hope that uh you can still see me by the time we're done (laughs) oh my goodness oh how long have you lived in Germany for um, oh my god, almost half my life. You will not believe this. I mean, it's been 20 years or a little over 20 years
0: now. So, oh my goodness, it's my new and home. And I <laughs> imagine that's inspired some of your some of your previous novels as well.
1: Right? Yeah, my
0: first novel uh,
1: was set in actually Essen, the city I live in, in Western Germany. So um, that was called Ger- the German Heiress. And that was uh, kind of my first big splash into writing historical fiction. Um, I figured the easiest thing to do is write one where I live. Right, and that was actually pretty smart. It was. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've written a couple since then that were not set
0: where I live, and you know the challenges are uh, definitely a lot bigger. <laughs> oh my goodness! And your most recent novel, that's obviously out, it's in the world, Sinners of Starlight City, was released last month, right? Um, actually, let me think. Two weeks ago now. Two weeks. Wow! Oh. How does that feel? It's it's out in the world. People are holding it in their hands. How how is that? Does it ever get old?
1: Um, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't get old. It, I think it's scary every single time. I mean, it just just the moment when you know uh, now people are actually going to read it is <laughs> is one of those moments where well, that's why I wrote it. You know, I don't write yeah. books to to just have it put away on a shelf um, for myself. I really want people to read these stories. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I'm a person who who wants to kind of. Uh, you know, be liked by everybody. I guess is one of those things, and to please everybody, I suppose, is better. And so, you know, a book will never ever please everybody, and that's kind of the scary, the scary moment. But um, Sinners of Starlight City is is just a book so close to my heart that you know, I especially want people to 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 enjoy it and really sink into the story.
0: So to kick things off, tell us about this story. Give us the give us the brief on this book.
1: Yeah, the brief is that it is uh, set in 1933 at the Chicago World's Fair. And that is, um, that was a very big um, event that happened. Uh, The character is named Rosa Mancuso. She's a burlesque dancer and magician who is at the fair um, on a revenge trip, you could say. She wants to... um, meet a pilot who is flying from Italy to the fair um, in sort of a big fascist Italy propaganda move that Mussolini had set up. And that's all, that's all true, that part of it. And um, so I was able to work in why this woman, Rosa Mancuso was after this pilot, and in that I got to work in so much about her sort of rich family background back in, in Sicily in the 1920s. So so the book kind of blends this, this dazzling glittering world's fair of the 1930s and um, with her, her family and how she grew up in, in 1920s Sicily. And um, there's some, a lot of surprises in there too.
0: <laughs> we love a twist. We love a surprise and we love a twist. <laughs> beautiful and where did this idea come from for you where what inspired you to write about this particular kind of this moment in time and and this character
1: um yeah that this is definitely my pandemic book I think all of us who <laughs> the lockdowns, um and and, we're, and our writers sat there and said, what do we, what do, what do I really want to write now? Because, um, you know, when you're confronting what we all did in the world the last few years, then then you look at yourself and go, why am I doing anything I'm doing? I better want to do it. I better, I want to need to do it. So yeah. um, I was in between books. I had just finished my second book um, called The Soviet Sisters, and that was a uh, you know, partly set in Moscow, uh, partly in Berlin, and that was very challenging. I mean, I had all this research in languages I don't speak, so I had to have a lot of help with it. And I thought, okay, I want to do an American, um, you know, an American story. Um, Even though I couldn't go there at that moment, we were in lockdown, right? And um, that all played into why I, I decided, okay, I want to go back to Chicago. I lived there before I moved to Germany. And, um, you know, I was thinking about my family a lot, of course, you know, talking to them, um, talking to them about all kinds of stuff that we didn't normally do. Maybe your family did that, other families did. Um, so stories of the families, how, how extended family is doing. So I just had all these kind of elements in my head. I missed being home, but couldn't go. You know, I missed my family, I couldn't go. So, you know, I, I started to think, historical moment did did I want to tap into and um, just sort of randomly looking at old photographs of Chicago, um, Chicago history. You know, I came upon one of the World's Fair and I'm like, oh, my God, that's it. It looks so fun. And when you're in lockdown, you want to escape. Right. You just want to go somewhere and have fun with like with tons of people. That was that was part of it. All of these photos had just crowds, masses of people. And, you know, I, I had been sitting here with four walls for three months, um, uh, (laughs) homeschooling my kids. Right. (laughs) So, um, so that all of those elements kind of came together and, and, and I sat down and said, okay, this is what I want to do. i want to do a story close to, to my family in the sense that it has the same kind of family elements, but, but one that kind of is a nostalgia book in a way for, for a piece of chicago that doesn't exist anymore really you know the fair was something that was there for actually two summers um in 1933 and 1934 and
0: then it was gone so
1: um so that's how it it all came about
0: oh my goodness and i i will say i'm woefully ignorant on the chicago welfare i have no idea what's involved so tell me a little bit about what this event was you know it happened twice and then never happened again what what was going on there
1: yeah, um, you know, this was this was still the the Great Depression. It
0: was a really weird
1: time to to actually say let's do a world's fair. But <laughs> um, Chicago, being the city it, it, it is still, um, it was a very enterprising city. It's, it, so the so the people, the organizers of the fair thought, okay, if we could do something like that, um, it's gonna it's gonna rake in the money. We're gonna make some money off of this. But it costs money to set it up. So you know, they, they had to to do a lot of kind of fancy uh, finagling to get the money for it. And they also had to make sure that the the famous Chicago mob didn't get in. All the mobsters and the gangsters um, didn't get in on this. Um, yeah. this, this is ideal man. for
0: them, I guess. This would be an ideal opportunity.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and so prohibition in the United States, you know, they had forbidden alcohol for all these years. It was finally coming to an end. I mean, 1933 was the year where uh, people, the, the states were were turning over that law so that finally, by the end of 1933, you know, you'd be able to, to drink beer, you know, normally again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so so 1933 summer, though, when this World's Fair was going to uh, did happen, you know, they, they did. They couldn't have alcohol yet, you know. So there were various sort of workarounds that, that the fair had to set up. They wanted not only make money, but to kind of give optimism to to people because this was, um, you know, a moment. This was the depression. This was prohibition. This was, you know, just these. It was after World War One in the sense that you know the people still absolutely. Remember what was going on then, and and the various challenges of the time. So so you, so it was one of the things that attracted me to the setting of, of the fair, is this kind of let's do something optimistic. I mean, I felt like I needed that too <laughs> when I was yeah. when I was researching. And so so the people uh, who organized the fair um, took the the lakefront of Chicago. You, if you think if you know nothing about Chicago, it is a one of the most beautiful cities in the world. If you don't believe me, fight me, it is gorgeous. It, it is it is the home of the skyscraper, right? The yep. first sky, skyscrapers in the world were, were built in Chicago. So um, it has one of the most beautiful lakefront views. Um, and, and 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 so it's built on Lake Michigan, which is so big, Lake Michigan. If you stand on one side, you cannot see the other side. It's, it's the Great Lakes. I grew up in the Great Lakes region. I'm very proud of them. <laughs> Um, and so it is just a gorgeous city glittering on the edge of a lake. And so they built this fair lot up. They, you know, it, it was just rainbow colors everywhere, you know, the fountains, the lights, the spotlights, and they made it glitter. they made it beautiful so that you know the the visitors came from maybe small towns or farms. you know, lots of people in the United States at the time lived sort of in more rural areas or smaller areas. And they would come, they would flood up to Chicago and and be in this, this fantasy world, basically. And and that was what I tried to bring out in the book. And I think I succeeded. And because I was so happy myself to sink into that world as I was writing it.
0: And it allowed you obviously to write a character like Madame Mystique. So <laughs> tell us about this character. Tell us about Rosa. Where does she come from in your head?
1: Um, Rosa was... Oh, I mean, she is a burlesque dancer, like I said, and a, a kind of a, a a woman who knows how to use her 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 talents. And um, she was a, a dancer, also a, a an amateur magician, and so um, she has Madame Mystique has a um, a show that is at the Oriental Village. That was one part of the fair. Sort of the more risque <laughs> things yeah. going on. There was always, in Chicago in particular, the Chicago Fair, there was a, a the midway part of the fair and that's where you have the carnival rides and you have the, um, the theaters, the the kind of nightclubs and peep shows even. But she... She was a, a a burlesque dancer, so so like yep. the the true dancers who performed. And what was amazing, as I was I was researching these dancers, is I had not really thought a lot about burlesque dancing yep. <laughs> before I started researching this book. I personally I did dance when I was younger, but I was not in
0: that. I actually, dancing. I used to do burlesque uh, a long while ago, I did burlesque. Yes, yeah, so this. Oh, right.
1: oh amazing that I have to compliment you because this was, um, I mean, it was really eye opening as I, as I looked into what these women a hundred years ago or almost a hundred years yeah. ago too, um, what sort of laws they were up against, for instance, when they did this. When they danced, they they didn't necessarily do a striptease. It's just that they were not wearing very yeah. much, <laughs> you know, if anything. And so, um, you know, I learned about fan dance, or you know, dancers like Sally Rand was is one of the people who created this fan dance. You know, the big yeah. feather fans that you she she did that. That was like her original thing. Um, and you know, there were people like. Uh, um, little egypt who was a, a belly dancer and and so on so there were these 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 women who kind of stepped over that line of of propriety i guess from from back then and it was
0: all about being clever like you say with the fans and that you had to get smart with what you were going to do right
1: exactly that and and that was what amazed me and what i loved and what i built into rosa as a character because she absolutely knew what people were looking at, and 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 how to you know how to get people to want more by showing them less yeah. sometimes. Yeah, and so, um, and on top of that, you know, I I I developed such a a, a respect for burlesque dancing, um, that I I learned about how much money they, these women were making. You know how they negotiated their contracts themselves. I mean they. They were making more money than most of the other women, you know, certainly who were working at the fair in one form or another. And, and so, uh, you know, this is, they were arrested multiple times. <laughs> and so Rosa Mancuso or Madame Mystique, my character, um, I really loved that she sort of built into her character, she had to be somebody who was going to be able to to, to to punch back against forces like that, you know, she, she was not going to let that stop her from doing what she wanted to do. And she's a woman who is out for revenge for something that had been done to her family when she was younger. And I needed a woman with that headstrong you know, drive and, and just making her into a burlesque dancer seemed to fit perfectly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there is, a, I can't speak myself, but with the, the girls that I've danced with, there's always gotta be a level of tough. There's, there's gotta to be a bit of that because you're doing something that is not understood by everybody. And you're gonna face people who don't understand, who don't agree. You're gonna face men who think it's okay to do things when you're performing. You've got to have a bit of, you've got to have a tough side, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so that kind of toughness, um, again, that was something I did not expect when I, when I first started researching this book, she, she, I didn't know she would be a less dancer. I had her as a, a magician. I knew she was going to be a magician, but but, you know, the fact that she was at the fair specifically to do to dance um, ended up being like, of course, I had to have her dance after I started learning about about the women who did.
0: Yeah, I love that. I do think, you know, burlesque. I love it. I have such a, a soft spot for it. And I was well kind of my days of dancing maybe are behind me, but I love reading about it. And I love <laughs> when someone is passionate about because it is it's. It's got a really surprising history and i think if people read this book as well i think they'll be surprised what they're gonna read
1: oh absolutely and and maybe that maybe your days are not behind you because you know a because just because and b um like i i mentioned little egypt yeah. who, who she was like she was in her 60s at the at the this chicago fair when she was dancing and this was her second World's Fair. Her first one in Chicago was forty years before that. Wow! And that's when she got. She was like in her twenties and was famous, and, and for her belly dancing. And then she went back to the fair in nineteen thirty-three uh, to to do her to do her show. And I loved that. I mean, wow. just think of the kind of woman who says, "You know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to go back. I don't care that I'm over sixty. Let's do it."
0: I love, it. and you think like Josephine Baker. and these yeah. women, their confidence just went beyond their age. They didn't care because they were legendary.
1: Right. Exactly that. And, you know, plus, and, and you know, as far as, as, as when I researched it, you know, she had a full house there. You know, she, people came to see her that and chose to do that. and And that's just one of the really intriguing things, one of the many really intriguing
0: things that popped up when I researched the book. And how do you follow up a book like this? What comes next? You know, you've written books that are featured all over the world. Where do you go next?
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> I make things hard on myself by always moving. I'm always researching places that just fascinate me and that I would like to visit. Right. You know, if you can, if you can write a book set somewhere that you can go vac- on vacation. Yeah, to, that's perfect. Right. So my next one uh, is set in Istanbul, wow. um, but during the Jazz Age. So I um, I knew nothing about it until I had come across a book called Midnight at the Para Palace. It's, a, it's like a nonfiction book um, that looks at the 1920s in Istanbul. And I was just sold, totally fascinated by, by what Istanbul was like right after World War I. And uh, so I am setting it at an American nightclub that actually existed in Istanbul uh, in the early 1920s. And um, it's, it's one night
0: uh,
1: at, a, at that nightclub. So that's my next book.
0: <laughs> Ooh. Oh, that's intriguing. I'm already hooked. and I sense a little, you've got that kind of the, you know, the nighttime vibes are still coming through between books here. So I, I love that. Okay. Okay, so now I'm I'm imagining for your novel evening, we're going to be going somewhere around the world. I don't feel like you're someone who's going to keep us close to home, right?
1: <laughs> Probably not. No.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. So we always start things off by asking where we're going to go for your novel evening.
1: Yep, and um, I would like to do something a little. A little different. It in a way hooks my next book just because I'm so sunk into my next book. So we're gonna so we are gonna go to Casablanca. Oh, okay. And we're gonna go the the specific location will be Rick's American Cafe. If you remember the the, uh Humphrey Bogart's cafe in Casablanca. That's just the location though. And um what happens inside is going to be completely different than than the movie Casablanca. I just feel like I wanted to set the night there.
0: <laughs> nice. okay. okay. so I'm matching we're going for party vibes here.
1: uh yeah in a murder mystery sort of way. Oh.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So you've got a twist. We've got a twist on the novel evening here, which I like. I'm down for a twist. Okay. <laughs> it depends who's coming with a murder mystery. So I'm like, okay. It depends who's coming as to who's the unfortunate one. So how, how are we doing this? Who's coming and what's what's gonna happen here?
1: Um, right. So uh I don't know why, but I just when I was thinking about okay, what would be a really fun evening, I thought, you know, I would love to invite so many of my favorite fictional detectives to a like a murder mystery night and 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 have it be in Casablanca so um I don't know how many old if you like old movies but people who like old movies yeah would know that we have to invite Nick and Nora Charles they are the the detective duo from the 1930s movies, The Thin Man. So I've heard of these, but I
0: haven't ever seen them.
1: Yeah, I'm crazy about old movies. So there's gonna be a couple old movie references in here, but yeah, so Nick and Nora Charles, I totally suggest you go out and see The Thin Man or, or go watch it on, I don't know where, but it is an amazing movie and it, and it gives you a flair in the 1930s. I would have them in a party immediately. They're so much fun. And they would be, let's say, the hosts of the party. They're, they're great hosts.
0: Oh, they're going to be our hosts. Okay. Okay. I like that. Okay. And- two, Duo hosts, here. all right.
1: Yeah. And um, I think they would do it better than I would. I'm just not. <laughs> you know, I, would be, I would be the person, um, you know, sitting at the table, observing everybody else. And and figuring out everybody's relationships, so I'm just gonna sort of like that. I'm always the person who says I don't want to go to a party, but then when I'm there, I'm the last one to leave. Yeah, no, I'm the
0: same. I'm always the same. I'm like, oh, I really want to go, and then it's like 4 a.m. <laughs> and I'm like, this is great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So so right, I would have, um, you know, so just to to make sure we have the classic yep. detectives there. Of course, we're going to have, um, let's say, Sherlock Holmes has to be there. Yeah. And um, I feel that um, we could have um, Finn Fisher from Miss Fisher's Detective Stories. I love okay. those. Miss Fisher Mysteries down in Australia. Um, I would love to have Miss Marple there. Yeah. I would love to have um also um my god Poirot you've got
0: to have Poirot oh, absolutely Hercule has to be there
1: yeah and and I'm not going to make it all Agatha Christie by any stretch but you absolutely have to have Poirot and and that makes me jump to a more modern but lovely detective Benoit Blanc I don't know well, if I was waiting <laughs> to
0: see if Benoit Blanc would make it as soon as you said famous <laughs> detectives I was like oh will benoit make the cut yeah Can you absolutely
1: yeah but when wouldn't they be fun together like just you know if you have this group of really different personalities i mean that's sort of a classic setup i guess to have all these different personalities but you know they're from just they're so utterly different it would be extremely fun to see them try and figure things out you know <laughs>
0: I, how is this not a film already? I feel like it's, or a book. I feel like this should be something. You imagine them all going in different directions as well. Oh, I know. I, you know, I
1: wish they were all like in the public domain. Like I wouldn't have to get the rights <laughs> to write them. You know, I would do that.
0: Wouldn't it be amazing? Okay. Benoit is a great choice because he's modern, but he's clearly got all those Poirot Holmes elements
1: right exactly so he's sort of like um you know benoit blanc would would be he'd he'd be at my table i want him at my table and we'd be sort of leaning together observing what everybody else is doing and sort of whispering about it and because i love old movies and i'm kind of a classic noir fan we need to add philip marlowe yeah and Sam Spade so so we've got you can just have Humphrey Bogart doing both roles because I think he played (laughs) I think he played both of them in the movies
0: break something in some kind of dimension when Humphrey Bogart turns up as both characters something in the cataclysmic will happen but it'll be interesting
1: You're right. (laughs) I know this is going in weird tangents, but but for some reason I have this mix of these movies and books in my head where I'm like, oh, let's do it.
0: (laughs) No, I love it. It's it's crazy. I like I like the difference. I think having him come as both characters is great.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So so and 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 um I'm trying to think who else I was oh, oh yeah, how could I forget? Um let's invite the, the gang from the Thursday Murder Clubs. The- you
0: are not the first person to say that.
1: Oh, really? I thought, oh, but they're so fun. Oh my God. When I, yeah, I would I would completely have them there too. And um, so I think at this point, oh gosh, unless, unless I go off on really weird tangents. Oh, one more, one more. I would like to invite um did you see the movie Fargo the old movie yes Fargo. yeah 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 March March Gunnars- oh. the pregnant oh. cop from Fargo she I want her to know yeah
0: she needs a good night out
1: right exactly that like I'm, I'm thinking you know I'm thinking, you know, a mom especially, you know, yeah. she, eventually she had the baby and, um, you know, let's give her a night
0: out in Casablanca. <laughs> yeah, she went through a lot. I think, you know, very pregnant. I think she could probably by this point, she needs a good night out in right. Casablanca with two versions of Humphrey Bogart. and <laughs> <laughs> Blanc, Hercule Poirot. It's probably more tiring, actually, than just hanging out in Minnesota. But yeah. You know, yeah but she would keep everybody honest
1: you know like she would Whoa. cut through the the bull if if anybody started anything yeah. so I, I would have her keep the keep the keep everybody level
0: keep them level and this is where I usually ask if there's anybody who's not welcome at your gathering
1: um because if if you're actually willing to walk into a a, a nightclub full of famous detectives. <laughs> then, then you're probably an interesting person yourself in some
0: way. That's true. And I guess my question as well is, is who is going to be the murder victim?
1: Um, I I'm not a hundred percent sure. I like wrote down my little note here, and I said victim big or right, question mark. Oh. So, That one has to be left up to whether it's, like, within this circle of detectives. One of them gets knocked off during the evening. And we have this circle of famous detectives where one is the, you know, perpetrator. Oh,
0: it's where he took it.
1: Yeah. Right? You know, I I love these old classic, you know, crime setups. And there was this movie Clue from, like, the 1980s. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> loved it loved it so
1: you just stick everybody in the
0: room and then see who did it and who's about to die next <laughs> oh. my money's on miss marple being the killer you know i don't know well she was.
1: she's she's probably smarter than absolutely everybody um however the thursday murder club is there that's so
0: true that's true i i love this i love a good murder mystery i love the setting You've got some great characters coming. So this is 10 out of 10. <laughs> great, thank you. It's an excellent. I was worried about it. <laughs> no, this I love. part of it I
1: was worried about.
0: <laughs> no, I think it's a fab idea. Um, I would love to see how these characters all interacted with each other. I feel like there's some egos as well. There's gonna be some ego going on here. So that'd be very interesting. And look, before I let you go, because it's, it's getting late in Germany now. <laughs>
1: It is. It's almost dark.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's getting late. I say it's getting late in England. I'm just. I need my beauty sleep so badly. Um, <laughs> but I have to ask if you're reading anything at the moment.
1: Yeah, I um on my on my mystery crime novel trip right now. And I am. I a few years back I went to Japan, and um, since then I have just been reading. Every once in a while, I go on a. I'm in a phase where I read Japanese crime novels, oh, and wow. it's it's um just I don't know why they're so relaxing. They're just
0: they're told in different ways. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I like true crime to go to sleep too. So oh I gosh, I that's hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm you now like oh, so Japanese crime is relaxing. Okay, well, I'll- <laughs> I'll-
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, but you know, but they're so sort of. At least. And they're, and they're more like almost cozies, you know, the, oh, okay. the ones that I read. So they're almost like reading an Agatha Christie book, but, nice. but like, a, in, you know, Japan. So yeah. some of the famous Japanese um, authors of those. So, so that's what I'm reading right now.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. I haven't read a lot of cozy crime actually. Um, but I was given my, my grandfather passed a year ago, but he gave me all of his, are they called MC Beaton's. And they, he just like, Agatha Raisins. So I was given the whole set. So at some point when winter comes, I'm going to get cozy with some cozy crime because I don't really Oh, I love them. it! I love it because you can read them. I, it, there's something about them, I
1: feel anyway, where you can read them um, relatively in a, in a more relaxed way, I guess. than, yeah. than You're Not as other tense,
0: them. I guess. You're not yeah. like on edge all the time.
1: Right, right. And so, and and it's almost, and you're kind of trying to figure out a puzzle and, you know, the the Japanese novels are often like, you know, a closed room mystery or, you know, it's just sort of these classic um, setups. And, and yet the solutions are so specific to the culture. They're so specific to Japan or how a house is built in Japan or, you know, things like that, that you kind of learn you know sort of odd things i like learning weird odd things anyway but only it's like that's how a house is built that's how a window opens and that's how the garden is set up and it's just a very
0: different yeah. vibe and and you can escape really nicely into it well i'm gonna be adding i'm gonna go down a rabbit hole now of looking for japanese crime <laughs> because this sounds i want to i want to get ready for the the autumn weather to come and i want some cozy crimes so i'm gonna check those out and look. Annika, thank you so, so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Sinners of Starlight City, if you want a dose of ballast, Chicago in the 30s, it's going to do so, so well. And congratulations.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It was so much fun to talk to you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of A Novel Evening. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. Please remember to go over and rate, subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And check us out on Instagram at A Novel Evening Podcast and over on TikTok under the same name. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye.